the world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve 8 from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layer timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve 8 is available from $995. Current users can download the update for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagic-design.com What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and this is part three of my interview with Mary Jo Markey. In this episode, Lauren and I are also going to talk about some trivia that was sent in to us, as well as our latest four-word film review. But in the meantime, enjoy my talk with Mary Jo Markey. It takes an individual with these qualities. Manual dexterity. Dramatic judgment. Storytelling sense. A feel for pacing and tempo. The opening seems really chaotic and urgent. Urgency is sort of built into the editing process. What was your approach to tackling this scene and, and other fight scenes? And I'm thinking it's very different from a normal dog fight scene or fight scene like MI3 because your cutaways are to people standing right. on, a, on the bridge. I know. I, I sh- that, I, that is a really interesting question. I haven't been asked before. If we could, I did not cut that opening, that okay. the Kelvin thing, but... I think it's an interesting question, and I did cut the final battle mm-hmm. when they're fighting um, Nero mm-hmm. and the final sort of destruction of the Narada and all of that. I was trying to compare it to what might be like that, because I really hadn't thought about it when I was cutting it, to be mm-hmm. honest. I guess it seems like maybe a kind of gun battle when, where people are holed up somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, like sort of cornered, and they're like sticking their heads out and shooting a few a few rounds off and then ducking back down. It doesn't seem that different from that kind of a gun battle. But really, in any fight, I really try to keep the characters and their emotions at the forefront of what I'm doing. So whether they're in proximity or not, it doesn't really change it that much. Because what gives it power and energy is Kirk saying, Mr. Sulu, do this! And (laughs) Sulu trying to execute the order and seeing on his face his tension as he's trying to do it and then checking with Scotty to see if, you know, the Enterprise has the power to do that. And that I think that's what really creates the tension in the the sequence and seeing Nero freaking out and trying to get his men to respond to his orders and seeing them start to run away. And I mean, I think it really grows out of character. Even, I mean, I even try to do that when I'm cutting a fist fight mm-hmm. is to try to keep who these people are and what is in their hearts and, and minds at the center of the action all the time. Because otherwise it just becomes... A fist fight. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of flying fists or a bunch of, you know, light beams going back and forth or pieces of metal flying back and forth. But it is interesting and I, it's kind of funny that I really never thought about it as a particular editorial problem. It's a good question. Well, I was thinking like, Whenever I see a gun battle or anything like that, it's constant movement, constant. And I was noticing this, there's movement in when they're in the main room, but it's 
it's more like camera shake or the places oh, been hit, and they're all sort of like <laughs> standing like this and like sitting in their chairs. Right. Uh, so it was very different for me. Like it works, but it was just I, I caught that when I was watching. I was like, it's going from all this motion out here to static. Right. To motion to static and. Right. Um, but you bring up bring up characters. I was going to ask you about Spock and his sort of internal struggle. Right. As film editors, we're constantly working to sort of mold the story or alter our storyline. In Star Trek, there's a few philosophical issues, particularly with Spock. He has this inner struggle with emotion versus reason. And I was wondering, how did you work with J.J. Abrams and the other editors and assistants to make sure that the overall personal struggles were maintained? but uh, the action were maintained and the action propelled forward while ensuring that the audience could still handle the deeper underlying philosophical problems that he faced. Really, the underlying problem that Spock faces and the underlying problem that Kirk faces, which is in some ways kind of the same problem Spock faces, I think those are the things that drive that movie. I really think those, I think that's so much more interesting than Nero or the timeline. I mean, that's just me, but I absolutely believe that that is why that movie succeeds, is that we see from really the first time we see young Spock getting into that, you know, being taunted by those kids, getting into that fight, having his father explain to him that he's got a choice to make in his life. And I mean, I think that is what is interesting about that movie. And and then even late in the movie, we see that he's still struggling to make that choice, that he still has not fully overcome it because he gets into that fight with, with Kirk. Kirk is able to taunt him into, you know, losing his Vulcan discipline and attacking him on the bridge and not to the good of the you know, not to the good of the ship, really, although, of course, all turns out well. But I really think Kirk's struggle is the same struggle, in a way. I mean, he's got this anger inside of him that impels him to go for rebellion over reason, really. I mean, he's not living a useful life in any way, even though it's all very attractive and very kind of compelling. He's not doing anything with his life, which is what Pike points out to him. And he needs to learn to bring that part of himself under control and really become more Spock-like in a way. I think watching those, those two characters get full control of themselves, or not full control, but mature in a way that allows them to be their best selves is really what the movie's about. Way well, more I, than... Well, I always considered that to be the, the movie's focus, is their coming of age, I guess you could Absolutely, say. and coming together. And the uh, the issue with the bad guys, sort of the catalyst that brings them right. together, as opposed to that right. being the story. It's going to be interesting to see what... I mean, I just literally cannot wait to read the next script because without that central tension there of how are these two going to come together, I'm really curious about what the uh, the focus of the next one is going to be. I mean, I, presumably there will continue to be this antagonism yeah. between the two of them. But, but it's like I said before, I was never a fan of Star Trek. And I think, were you at EdFest two years ago? And you yes, showed I the was. Scene? Yes, I was. You showed the scene from Star Trek. I landed in Toronto and rented the movie because I was like, this doesn't look like any Star Trek I've seen. <laughs> That's funny. This isn't my father's Star Trek. Um, yeah, and so I, like, I, I got to see this. I get, one of the things, because uh, it's a very CG-heavy 
or CGI heavy film. And I was wondering if you could talk about your approach to cutting CGI heavy scenes. You have to use your imagination. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I, do, I do still, I mean, the actors are the actors and their performances are their performances. And I cannot say enough about how much respect I have for what they do. They really bring this emotion and intensity to reacting to something that's just not there. I know, so I do the same thing. I mean, I try to do exactly what they're doing. And I, you know, I place that snow monster that is chasing him in my head. And I just think about, I try to think about how long it's gonna be interesting to watch that snow monster chase him in the wide shot and then when we're gonna to wanna to go to a close-up and and then you know it's all very flexible because as the shots start to come in we completely start readjusting. Well it turns out it's not really interesting to watch him do it that long. You know, we're gonna cut we're gonna trim this back or you know, it, it's not convincing when we mm -hmm. watch the snow monster chase him for that long in a wide shot, you know, whatever. Did you find that a lot with shots, that the longer you held it, the more people could sort of analyze the CGI, or? We found that in, in Super 8, I think. In those cave shots, we did not, we didn't want, we did not want to be too long on some of them. Now, one thing I noticed with your work, even from MI3 up, uh, is your use of sound. It's very unique, and I don't know where it becomes the sound editors and where it became your decisions, but there's scenes where you'll just cut out a bunch of sound, like you'll just lose everything and let a particular sound play or no sound play. I was wondering if you could talk about your approach to cutting sound when you... Well, a lot of it is, a lot of it is, we do do temp sound work in the cutting room, but a lot of that work is done on the stage, the final thing, and I would say that somebody who doesn't get credit that should is Brian Burke, JJ's producing partner, who's, I mean, JJ's a sound freak, but Brian is also a real sound freak, and he does spend time on the mixing stage, and he's one of the guys that will very consciously look for that place where we can create these sound pockets of silence so that we can um, then startle the viewer with coming back in with a rush of sound or something like that. JJ, too, I mean, he's very very much a, a kind of a, a freak about sound and loves what can be accomplished on the mixing stage. But we do from the very beginning, I mean from day one, work on sound. I work on sound as I'm cutting um, and my assistant helps a lot with sound as I'm cutting because a lot of these scenes they just don't play if, you, if they don't have at least something going for them. And JJ does, does talk a lot to actors well, you know, especially in like a CG kind of scene, mm -hmm. I mean... Yeah, they'd be like, the monster's over here. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly, so we have to create a, a sound, you mm -hmm. know, a soundscape that get get all that stuff out of there. And, and I think the uh, the whole finale on Main Street that, that's in Super 8, there, I don't, that was almost all sh shot MOS. I had nothing, you know, so we, at least you have to lay in some backgrounds, you gotta get some hard effects in there got to get at least some tones or something to suggest this magnetic field that's happening that's causing all of these things to fly up to the tower you know you just you gotta have something in there you don't want to show it to them it's completely dry 
That was my interview with Mary Jo. Lauren. Yeah. The new site's coming along. I know. I saw some uh, nice additions and things. Yeah, we posted a few things. Uh, check out the District 9. We posted some videos with that, uh, as well as a bit of a background story. Cool. Yeah, there's lots of stuff going up. We posted the forward film reviews. So yes. People can check those out. Uh, the address is aotg.com slash cutting room. But all that said, Lauren, mm -hmm. we had someone send in uh, some trivia. <gasps> Tell me. Well, if you remember back a few episodes when we did the Canadian Cinema Editor sound panels, we discussed a bit of trivia with regards to It's a Wonderful Life. And we said if you had any trivia, to send it in. Yes. And someone's been listening to our discussions with Mary Jo. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to send some Star Trek information in. Mm -hmm. Now, they said they didn't want their name on the podcast. Oh, very mysterious. Anonymous. Not Anonymous, the hacker. Of course, of course. Group. Yes, yes. Um, Thank you for making that clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're protecting our site. That's yep. why. Uh, so they wanted to let us know that R2-D2 makes a few appearances in Star Trek. You are kidding. Now, I knew that. Are we? And we're talking the new Star Trek the movie new Star Trek, that just yeah. came out. Yeah. But apparently ILM also confirmed it. And you can check it out. So I've actually gone online, found a site where they have a whole article about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've linked to it. So, and so it was done in conjunction with ILM and with their support. Yeah. So everyone knew about it. Very cool. Um, if you look at it, he Cross gets fired promotion. out of a cannon or something. Very cool. Is yeah. it is it something that is um, easy to pick out or is so. it in, like, in the background or really fast? They're or? in a big fight scene and it's just a quick cut from the or shot from the bridge mm -hmm. and R2 makes an appearance. I like it. So... Thank you to Anonymous, not yes, the hacker group. Yes, thank you. Um, for sending that in. And like I said, you can check it out at aotg.com slash cutting room. Mm -hmm. That said, Lauren, we got our forward film review. Always. Yes. So previously we've had two different clues. So one was Tin Man Shows Some Heart. Then we had Boy and Droid Bond. We received lots of guesses, I hear. Yeah, actually we got quite a few. And, uh, but, but we still don't have a winner, so it's a rollover. Yes, I'm gonna... Still going. Yeah, I'm just gonna give what some of the guesses were so people don't send them in, they can... Yeah, strike these from the record. These are not so, the I right robot, answer. It's not that. Not iRobot. It's not artificial intelligence. AI. And it's not Wizard of Oz. No. So don't guess those ones. No, it's not those ones. So again, the, the previous hints were Tin Man Shows Some Heart, Boy and Droid Bond, and this week's clue, Big Trash Can actually friendly. So I'm noticing some trends. I'm painting a picture in my head and I hope you are too and I hope it's the correct one. And in fact, we even have a poster in our house that we got when we were in LA last year that depicts a character from this film. Yes, it's actually an art piece. It's a work. So where do they send this? Well, they send it to you. They send it to info at aotg.com at Art Guillotine on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Art Guillotine. Yeah. Now, before we hit the road here, yes. we're going to be at NAB this year. Yes. Or I'm going to be at NAB unless Lauren wants to come too. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. If that was all it took. If and only. we're working on setting up a pub night there. So if anyone knows of a good pub that has some space for us and doesn't mind us tweeting and discussing things, please let us know because I'm not familiar with Las Vegas. I've never been. Um, Lauren's the expert. 
Unfortunately, I'm flying solo on this one. Uh-huh. Don't get him in trouble and only go to places where you can make it rain. I think all places make it rain in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, you could go pretty much anywhere and have live entertainment of a sort. I'm sure. <laughs> okay, I don't think that would be a great place to Exactly. So hold I'm thinking maybe you might want kind of a quiet pubby kind of a place because um things can get wide uh yeah so and we'll we'll have some t-shirts to give away we'll have some you know hopefully some prizes to give away and hopefully what happens in vegas doesn't stay in vegas because we'd like to spread the word about a teacher <laughs> <laughs> well i'm hoping the place also has wireless so that we can actually tweet while we're there well that would be cool yeah i could skype in there you go that sounds excellent. And I was actually going to ask for some feedback from the masses if people are still into forward film review or if they think we should switch it up and retire it, try some something new. And if you have any ideas of what that would be, let us know. But if you st still enjoy the forward film review, then we can keep doing it, of course. But, you know, sometimes it's nice to start something fresh. We're in a new year now. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll look for something. Something that we can... I, I don't know what, but we'll... Me neither. But anyways, so yeah. So let us know. Are you still into it? You want to try something different? Maybe put it on the shelf and come back to it later. You just let us know what you like. With all that said, yes. I think it's time to wrap up. Okay. I'd like to thank Mary Jo Markey for allowing me to interview her. Yep. I'd like to thank my producer, Lauren Woodcock. Okay. I'd also like to thank the American Cinema Editors, Jenny McCormick, who congratulations on your bundle of joy that just came. Congratulations. Up. And I'm Gordon Raquel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>